and it just started off with me saying like yeah i don't think it'll be super popular it's for roku only and someone in the comments was like were y'all talking about the daniel radcliffe weird al movie <laughs> they called it <laughs> yeah oh, but wow. all i said was i don't think it'll be popular because it's on roku only but that that they Somebody they knew. like me probably the only time they ever heard of a roku only movie was this because it's it's you know frequently in the headlines so there you go yeah they picked up on it i mean if it's in the headlines then that means more people are becoming aware of it that's true that's true do you have a roku in the house no i don't we have apple I, tv we have one up in the guest room which is just like the old thing that we had and mm-hmm. it just moved up into the guest room for mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. one time someone visited right <clears throat> yeah cool all right are you recording uh yeah i'm recording both cool. i'm recording all over the place all right nice yeah better clean up better clean up afterwards <laughs> i will there's just recordings everywhere now i'm just recording all over the there's place recordings on the wall oh gosh you know i still have damage in my ceiling from where i swatted dots that were hanging from the drop panel <laughs> and i kind of like pulled out some chunks of the drop panel when i swatted them wow well you were very impassioned at the moment so it's understandable i was, I was yeah i was uh, <laughs> a, a, right. re, a, a lot of emotions right. oh yeah let me pull up my notes that might help okay. <clears throat> i went hard copy oh look at you killing trees well you know yeah i just finished my notes 30 seconds ago so i didn't have time to print anything <laughs> oh yeah so 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 you know this is a lot of this is gonna be a mystery to me i'm not i don't know what you're gonna say oh good no i'm just kidding i didn't update it since you printed it probably mm. all right who knows let's, let's get into it shall we all right we'll get into all of it yeah welcome everybody to episode number 30 two of the Goulet Pencast, where fountain pens are still a thing. I am Brian Goulet. And I am Drew Brown. Yeah, you are. And we are here from Goulet Pens to deliver this casual and informal, tangential and extraneous, superfluous and extemporaneous fountain pen show, where we talk about what's going on at the Goulet Pen Company and in our fountain pen lives. I wanted to say superfluous too early. Too early, Drew. I jumped in there. But what are you going to do? I've only done this 32 times. Uh, In today's show, we're going to talk about workplace appropriate ink colors, which pens that we feel are legendary, and Goulet branded pens? Question mark? Ooh. Clickbait. Clickbait indeed. All right, we're going to get started with some feedback, Brian, and mm. we got a lot of feedback about the Platinum 3776, the okay. cent- Century, 3776 Century. Century, because it didn't pen. always used to be Century. It was one time, not Century. Really? Yeah, They had to hit that well, mark. Well, they changed it. <laughs> no, that's not why. I, well, I mean, they did hit the Century mark as a company but uh no it's because they changed when they did the slip and seal cap design this is five six seven eight years ago somewhere around there they they used to have a slightly different you know like center band they had they changed up the ornamentation a little bit on the pen and they added the slip and seal cap and it became the 3776 century so yeah i'll have to bust that out one day i have one of the old 3776s pre-century pre-slip and seal pre it's pre-sli- just pre-slippery pre-slip and seal All it's right. just whatever the opposite of slip and seal is 
just grip just, and just regular grip and loose grip and open grip, i don't know grip, what, grip and clip anyway right, well, we have feedback don't we yeah we did get feedback and we got a lot of really positive feedback a lot of folks really really love this 3776 and there was no um distaste for it look at that wake up and smell the coffee nice no real distaste for it. a lot of people said 3776 is my favorite pen i love it uh, but there were it was mixed. There were a lot of people that said, "Hey, I, I tried it. I actually bought two in some cases, and it just is not my jam. It's a little too rigid. I don't like the feel mm-hmm. of it. I don't know why it is. It is. I would choose this over Pilot." And that's kind of where I'm at. Like, no complaints about it. Um, but w- mm-hmm. compared to the other pens that are in that that zone, I would sure. pick other pens. And that that was seemed that was the uh, consensus. Nothing negative about yeah. it. That didn't seem like anybody had a outright negative experience with a three seven seven six. Just exactly a pref- preferential thing. It's like yeah. it's like cars, right? Like I mean, with some exception, most modern cars are all going to be a pretty good experience, yeah. right? But yeah. it's like some handle a little tighter, some a little or a little looser, you know. And exactly. it's just it's not that one's better than the other. It's just a matter of preference. I think it's Absolutely. the same kind of thing when you get to, especially pens of this level of quality, consistencies there. It's just a matter of preference. For sure. Um, and then Dan uh, wrote in to say, I have to say that I look forward to these videos on Friday. After a long work week, you two are like hanging out with some old friends. We feel the same, Dan. Thank you. Hmm. I learned something and enjoy the banter, so thanks for that. This week's was even better since there was a Rachel sighting. So glad yeah. to see her again. Keep up the great works, and thanks for making the end of the week so relaxing. Thank you, Dan. Absolutely. And I would like to say that when we turn on the recording, you know, it it does feel different. We do feel like we are instantly, and we're not with anybody right now. We're recording this in advance of when you're seeing it. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know about you, Brian, but for me, I definitely feel like something changes because I do feel like I am all of a sudden with people. So it goes both ways. Like, I, I feel it. I do, and I like it. So thank you for showing up every week. Thank you for showing up your first week if it's your first time, but uh, we do appreciate it. And there, it definitely is a feeling of friendship and camaraderie here that we just love. Absolutely. And uh, wrapping things up on my end, Keith emailed to say, or YouTubed to say, first thing my wife asked me when she got home from work today was, have the chaps done a video? Followed quite a bit later by, how was your day? Um <laughs> So got Keith your, got her priorities right. Yeah, Keith mentioned like, well, I know where I am in the pecking order. So mm. uh, the the chaps uh, will have done a video by the time you're hearing this, Keith. So thank you mm. and your wife. Um, Keith also joined a few commenters on YouTube in finishing up the lyrics to uh, "Every Rose Has Its Thorn," which is a new sailor mm. pen. And we didn't specifically reference any of the lyrical. Uh, nods, hints, or winks to that one, but there were definitely <laughs> quite a few in the comments, and um, uh, there was also a mention that Every Night Has Its Dawn could be a sequel mm. follow-up to Sailor's Pen, which I, I appreciated because... That's pretty good. That's yeah, pretty good. That we'll have to solid. pass that along. Yeah, so I like that. Well done, everybody. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I got some feedback as well. This one's from Jonathan. I have never even heard of a boogie board to take quick notes. And as a sieve brain, there's probably a German word for this term as well. I've tried nearly everything. This brings me to my question. We got a question in the feedback yeah, here. Yeah, okay. I put this one in there for you because you have more experience yeah. with this than I do. All right, all right. Do either of you or your colleagues successfully combine any need to use productivity software for task or project management with the passion for writing with fountain pens. I received a lovely Rodeo web planner for the holidays from Goulet Pens, woo, uh, but also need digital prompting to keep me from derailing. 
Not looking for a Verschlimbisrung moment, though. P.S. Your webcasts are bright spots in my life right now. As a healthcare provider, you guys are rocking this. Well, thank you, Jonathan. You are a champion right now. You are a hero for sure. You're rocking it. You are rocking it. Absolutely. And if we can even help in any way, even if just to distract you from reality, uh, I'm glad that we can be doing our part there. Um, So combining digital and analog task management stuff. Yeah, this is this is definitely a thing. I think a lot of people probably that are using, um, you know, planners and notebooks and stuff these days. I mean, it's kind of hard to ignore the digital aspect of our lives if for no other reason than if you are ever collaborating or meeting or doing anything with another person in today's professional world there's a good chance it's going to be in a digital form so you're probably going to need to have some sort of digital calendar or something that you have to manage in addition to your analog life so the way that i end up using it is um i don't have like a specific format of notebook or planner or whatever that i will use i go a little more kind of the open ended like bullet journal loosely type of format um, so that I can basically adapt, you know, kind of my stuff into pretty much any notebook, whatever notebook that I want to use. Um, I usually end up using like a five millimeter dot grid of some kind. Uh, And I will essentially use that for my, just my own stuff. I'm really not doing a lot of scheduling and calendar management in a paper planner personally, just because my schedule is so crazy and changes so much, um, both between the kids and you know, running carpools and, uh, you know, like bringing the kids to and from school, all the stuff at work and outside meetings with, you know, video call invites and all that, like that's gotta be heavily digital. I could not manage that in a, in a paper planner. Um, but I think for my own like thoughts, reflections, ideas, um, I like putting those in a paper notebook partly if for no other reason, because, um, it's harder to be distracted by notifications and other things on my screen or whatever uh, that I might have on a digital device. So I will use, you know, the paper planner or the paper notebook or whatever, um, just for like writing down quick things, fleshing out some ideas, just bulleted lists of things that I will then later process, you know, so it's kind of like brain dumping or a mind mapping type of thing that I'll use um, the, the more analog form. And then I will uh, kind of further process it into a digital thing, mainly because just the, the, the work environment that I'm in, pretty much most of what I do involves working with other people. So it's going to end up in a digital form unless it's something that is really kind of just meant more for myself. So that's uh, it's kind of the initial stage. I'll make an initial pass on the on that in my in my analog notebook and then transfer it to digital. Um, but for a lot of my like to do lists and stuff, I use a program called OmniFocus, which is um, you know somewhat popular. There's a lot of different ones. I'm I'm testing maybe some others like ClickUp and you know looked at. Uh, so we use Basecamp uh, too. It, it's Goulet Pens here. We use that to manage like our content calendar and, and video planning and stuff like that. Um, we use the Google Suite as well. So we have a lot of lot of different things that we're trying out and managing. Uh, but my personal productivity thing, um, the OmniFocus has been one of the most helpful things because it syncs between my phone and the computer because I'm on different devices. I'm coming and going all, all the time. Um, so that's pretty helpful. But then I always keep the notebook nearby for just those my, you know, my own, my own personal thoughts and stuff. And uh, yeah, that seems to have worked pretty well for me. I've settled into that as kind of a rhythm over the years. How about you, Drew? Do you use like a blend of 
No, no, no. I was one? mainly just thinking, you know, you could mention OmniFocus or something like that. No, I just, yeah. I just, no, Google Calendar, notebooks, yeah. boogie board. I'll say, you know, uh, David Allen wrote a book called Getting Things Done. <clears throat> Highly recommend it. It's not specific to any one platform. It's more just an approach or a methodology around personal organization that can translate to digital or analog. And um, that was one of the most influential things in my own personal productivity uh, that I've read. And OmniFocus is built heavily off of the methodology that's... Uh, around that book. So I recommend you check that one out. All right, and then Craig, Craig has a little education for us. Looks like Craig Googled French drains and found the Wikipedia page, which I'm now realizing we easily could have done, but didn't. But anyway, Craig's done it for us. Thank you, Craig. French drains were made popular by a guy named Henry Flagg French, born 1813 and passed away in 1885. In Concord, Massachusetts, he was a lawyer and an assistant U.S. Treasury Secretary. He described and popularized them in his book, Farm Drainage, in 1859. Drew, when's the <laughs> last time you think a U.S. Treasury Secretary wrote a book about farm drainage? Far probably, too long, far probably, too long. Uh, probably Henry Flagg French was the last one. Um, anyway, so he said, thanks, Wikipedia. Also, Chain Chomp. <laughs> Nice. Craig watched till the end. Yeah, thank you, Craig. Um, there you go. French drains. So it's not, it has nothing to do with the country of France. It has to do with Mr. French. Well, there thank you, you Mr. French. Thank you for your service to our <laughs> treasury as well as writing a book about <laughs> farm drainage. That is an that is a diverse set of skills right there. Like props. props That's pretty amazing. You. We're going to head on to our next segment of new stuff. All right, so let's check out some of the new things that we have and things that are coming soon. Kicking it off, we got the Mayora Libertatondo Doni. I said that right, right? I always want to say Dondo Tony. They sound so similar. It's like when you don't really know how to pronounce something, you're like, well, D and T sounds similar enough. I'll just say like Dondo Doni, and you won't really know <laughs> which one I said which way. There you go. It's Commit like the, to that. It's like the, the Laurel and Yanni thing. Remember that was real big a few years ago? Oh, and right. It was, like the, yeah, it was like some people heard Laurel, some people heard Yanni. Yeah, was no, like, that was dumb. Yeah, sometimes you got to do that when you don't know how to pronounce something. Yeah, that was so weird. It came right on the heels of that whole blue dress, white dress thing. Yeah, yep. it, yeah, it was around the same time. That was, that was, a real, that was weird. That was, that was a weird time for, for American society. A strange time in the world. Yeah, I'm glad yeah. things are so much more normal now <laughs> you know, than they were back then. I know. I miss the, <laughs> I miss the Yanni days. Yeah, right? Uh, I'm, I miss when that was what made news. Um, <laughs> anyway, what are we talking about? Mayora. Bondo, okay, so anyway. Bondo phony. <laughs> so these are going to be super, super limited. Only a few of them made in the world. What, 18 worldwide? Something like that? It's very, very, very few of them. Um, but uh, you can go check it out. We got that on the site right now. And then Sailor has some of their Ebonite sculpture pens. Oh, so we man. launched that this week. And uh, yeah, these are really, really cool looking. Um, we got the Yogasumi, which is night haze. That's been sandblasted, bead blasted, finish for a rough texture. It just looks so dang good. It looks really, really sharp. And it's got the, it's got a different cap too. You know what I mean? It's like, you're pretty much familiar with the Pro Gear. You're pretty much familiar with the 1911. And that's pretty much what you expect. But, um, you know, if you remember the, the anniversary pen that they had not too long ago, had that interesting like flat top with the roll stop on it it's got that vibe to it so pretty neat nice to except see them not mi the size them. of an actual telephone pole 
Well, you know, it was it was pretty sizely. It had some <laughs> sizely. You know, it was sizely. Yeah, there was size there was size happening on that anniversary fun. It was huge. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, got a couple other ones. Yako, uh, which is nightlight. That's a diamond cut sculpture uh, with layers of circles in it. So yeah, go check that out. I can't really describe it very well. Um, and then Yokaze. Yoka, <sighs> Nailed it. Yok, yokaze. Yok, do you say the e? Y o k a z e. Yokaze. With, with, with Japanese pronunciations, it's yokaze. a lot. It's a lot about the pacing, like how fast you say certain syllables. Ah, so I, I, I can't yeah. say. Yeah, I'm butchering it, it for sure. My apologies, but night. I mean, they, they, they probably some. They probably say something quickly, like yokaze or something. You know. Yokaze. Yeah. But I, but, but I, I have no idea. I just. Yeah, that's okay. We're the blind. It's the, the, blind, it's, yeah. it's the speed and, and pacing and like how long you hold certain words. Mm. I, but it's always wrong when go. it comes out of my mouth, so I'm not gonna. Okay. Fair enough. Um, but it's engraved with vertical lines. It's really cool. These are just not your you're not your typical sailor pens. Um, these are gonna be seven hundred ninety two dollars, which is you know definitely an investment but for how interesting and the technique uh that there are for these pens you just don't see pens like this um pretty much anywhere so very it's very not every day that sailor these. does something in ebonite either they had that ebonite no, um, not at all. they had the ebonite uh uh, uh naganata togi mm-hmm. um yep but that was yep. a huge deal that's not something that comes around you know i mean that was the first ebonite pen that we had since we picked up sailor yeah. nearly nearly two years ago at this point um so yeah pretty cool interesting to see them coming out with some new stuff i mean yeah yeah these are really and, cool yeah. um also last week esterbrook came out with a new jr their j reborn series which is a you know a pocket pen more or less it's a larger pocket pen but still still counts and mm-hmm. they came out with this gorgeous blue resin that has like uh i don't know if it's gold or silver glitter inside but it's a beautiful sparkly gold situation happening in a esterbrook jr with gold trim it's a beautiful beautiful pen it's limited i don't know how long it's gonna be around but check it out um if pocket pens are your jam this is a really really nice one to check out uh l oh esterbrook also came out with another book holder um i have the uh the nib book holder which we had already carried mm-hmm. and i use it all the time it keeps unruly books open if they're not laying flat the b is even better because it has like a wider coverage you mm-hmm. know with the wings and stuff like that and it looks stunning as well. They had a, a B available. It was like, you know, kind of this color, the bronzy color. But mm-hmm. the one that just launched is a rose, kind of like a rosy metal looking rose brass or something like that. But it's a really good looking book uh, holder. And um, yeah, it'll uh, it'll take care of uh, any book that uh, isn't beehiving for you. So um, <clears throat> and props to Drew. Drew advocated for that. We were like, I don't know, Drew. It's not a pen. It's it's not a not a not a pen really. And he was like, no 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 no. Trust me, trust me. Just just do it. it. Just it's do helpful. It, it like really it. is helpful. People like it. So we'll I, see. If you don't like it, you think it's stupid. Just know that it's Aldrew's fault, and he should get all the blame. Huh. But he should also get all the credit if you really like it. So that's how it works. You get both ways. Accountability, Drew. Sure, sure. That's what it's all sure. about. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. We'll see how many <laughs> YouTube comments get deleted on this one. Mm. Anyway, Girologio oh. G- 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 <laughs> came out with some writing mats, and Brian has one right there. Look at that. I Brian, have is, one. That, is that the cognac or is that this the is, dark brown? This is that's, dark brown. That's the dark brown. Cognac's kind of a light brown. So there you go. They are indeed real leather. 
They uh, This is also sizely, Drew, I would say. Sizely, quite sizely there. Hmm. And it will protect your desk from any inky mishaps. Uh, of course, you can use it as Should a mouse a, pad. It is a smooth writing surface. For scale. There you There's go. Pen, pen yeah. for scale. 2,000 for scale. And they come in, uh, what, like four different colors, I think? You got a black, a navy, dark brown, light brown situation happening there. I think we did three colors, but I honestly don't remember. No, I it don't. was four. It was four. <laughs> Trust me. Okay. Whoops. I, d- I did the Instagram post. Um, there you go. Oh, it is four. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and uh, yeah, they're pretty cool. They will come rolled up when you buy them from us, but uh, lay them flat, or you can kind of roll them the opposite way, and they'll they'll flatten mm-hmm. out in not so long of a time. Yeah, they've so. got like a grip, almost a grippy oh. kind of material on the back. Mm, yeah, it's, it almost that. feels. It almost feels like a cork kind of a thing, but it's not. I don't know. It's interesting. Mm. So it it really it helps to kind of keep it on the desk, which is nice. It's not just like a random flap of leather that's just yeah. like sliding around everywhere. And nice. those so are uh, what is it? Those are like um, thirty bucks. Thirty bucks. Yeah, oh yeah, twenty nine. I mean, yeah. for, for thirty bucks. Thirty bucks. It's it looks really nice. It's a good size. I like that it's not just like a square flap too. It's got kind of contoured edges. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really good. So it's, it's, sure. it's especially good if you like to write not in a notebook or like where you have a stack of paper that kind of acts as its own, you know, um, I don't know, su- support or back drop back. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. But it's like if you have just a single piece of paper and you're trying to write on something, if you're writing on like a wood table or something like that, you're gonna, it's going to feel really hard and it's going to like catch in the grain of the wood. So this is meant to just kind of lay out and then you can um, just write, you know, on a single sheet of paper directly on this thing. And, uh, you know, it kind of looks nice, allows you to just kind of keep, you know, if you spill ink a lot like I do, you can spill it on that instead of on your wood desk, which I'm still looking at the smear that I did several pen casts ago that I never officially cleaned up. So, <laughs> what do you mean never you know, officially cleaned up? I wiped it with a dry, like, paper <laughs> towel that I had handy, but I never went back with anything wet and, like, actually cleaned it so i'm like this might just be a part of this now i don't know we'll see all right well it wouldn't be the first time we covered a desk in ink <laughs> yeah it happens you know yeah right. and anyway. that's all the new stuff we have for you this week all right so q a time brian and mm. i'm gonna start things off with a question for you because you okay. are the only one that would know the answer to this mm. or the proper way to dodge this question so we'll see which one brian chooses to do here mm-hmm. all right um Charpentier Jose asks, will there ever be a GPC branded fountain pen? Ooh, this was the teaser that this I had. This was the, the teaser. I'm sure you're going to say, yes, and it's going to be available to pencast people only. Use this yeah, coupon actually, code. I've been holding it for three years, just waiting there we to go. ask this waiting question. Waiting for episode 32 of the Goulet Pencast, which we had no idea That's we were right. going to be doing. In fact, we call it episode 32. We were just waiting for the right circumstance to come up no i'm kidding uh no this is all a lie no you don't have anything <laughs> planned but um no i could definitely see that in the future uh for sure i mean we made pens when we started this business before uh you know we had anybody but me and rachel and really before rachel was i mean she was always helping but she wasn't she was working a full-time job back when i was making pens being a fool uh but uh you know the uh, ever since we both been full-time and all that just uh, haven't uh, been making manufacturing pens we've been doing other things retailing and making videos and whatnot um likely so it depends you know it depends how you want to think of like gpc branded pens like could i like would we manufacture our own pens that i think 
at this point is probably a bit of a stretch. You know, we have our specialty. We know what we're doing. We have connections with a lot of people who have been making fountain pens for decades, if not more than a century. So for us to come along with no actual like pen manufacturing experience, except for me hand turning them on a lathe, and that for sure is not going to be how we bring it back. Um, yeah, I can say like the most realistic scenario would be we collaborate. We have an, a, a manufacturer that we work with where that's their focus. We code design and brand it, and then they make it for us with our heavy input and collaboration. So that I could see definitely happening. Um, manufacturing, and I just don't see that being in our wheelhouse. That would be really, really tough to do. Um, so with that in mind, with working with a manufacturer, I would say we could do it theoretically anytime we can do it right now um you know we just work with an existing manufacturer relabel you know theoretically they could have a design that we just modify or that we pick up to something that's not readily available or that they discontinued and bring it back or whatever they probably have designs and things that we could pick up and just call it our own and and make it happen relatively quickly but i don't know i, I do get in my own head a little bit about this because i feel like the expectation would be really high for whatever this needs to be. Um, you know, especially because, you know, we're not unknown in the fountain pen world and, you know, we have pretty intentional, you know, thoughts around pens and, and how, what they should be and how they should be made and that kind of thing. So I, feel, I, I um, would like to think that we enjoy a solid reputation for quality. And Yeah, but I feel it's like, you know, it's sort of, it's sort of like, I'm trying to think of like something comparable in some other in- industry and I'm failing to think of anything exactly but it's like you know uh, I'm, I'm really failing to think of anything but it's like if we you know if we put our name on something and we said it that that's almost or it could be inferred that it's like okay we've been working all this time and with everything that we've known and gathered up about this we have now created like the ultimate pen you know and that what that might be the expectation maybe even just for ourselves maybe from you all as our customers or fans and i'm like oh that feels like a lot of pressure and realistically to come out with your first product being the slam dunk home run best of everything uh i don't think that's realistic we would probably have a lot of mistakes and flaws and we'd learn a lot of things and come out with iterations you know that's kind of how it works i think with things like movies you usually come out with like a great one and then the sequels are like eh, kind of like echoes of the original and they get worse the more of them you make um video games i think is almost the opposite it comes out with a great concept of a game and then the sequels improve and get better and get newer and fresher like that's, that's a good observation thank you drew i'm trying to that's solid you're speaking my language trying to pull it yeah exactly exactly i'm trying to think of things that drew will nod to because uh, that affirms that i know what i'm talking about uh, even if I don't. So I think that that's kind of how it would end up being. Like we would come out with something and be like, oh yeah, we were trying to innovate, but this is actually a terrible idea. So we need to change that the next go around. But I feel like if the expectation is too high, then we'd come out with something and people would be like, oh, this is garbage. I thought they would do better than this. This is nothing. Crap. They don't know how to make pens. What are they doing? Let's stop buying from that altogether. Ban it. Boycott. Cancel. Goulet. And I'd be like, oh shoot. Dag on it. We should have spent more time on that. I don't realistically think that would happen, but you know, these are the things that run through my head perhaps. Um, So anyway, all that to say is like, I feel like there's a lot of pressure. If we put our name on a pen, that would be like, oh my gosh. I mean, it's gouletpens.com. That's like the name of the website for crying out loud. So um, it's a lot of pressure. So I feel like there's high expectations and uh, you know, honestly, we're pretty darn busy with a lot of other things. 
And it's like, is there anything missing that like we should make that just everybody else is ignoring? I'm like, yeah. I mean, not really. I mean, not not a hundred percent. Like, yeah, there's probably innovation that could happen, but like, it takes a lot of time in R and D to develop something like new and innovative. And do we have that time right now? No. So maybe we will, and maybe we'll come out with something really cool. I don't know. But honestly, I wanted to take this question, you know, first to say like, yeah, I'm totally open to doing this, and I think it would be just awesome to have our own branded pen again. That would be very full circle of us, right? But a lot of that itch gets scratched through the collaborations we do and exclusive products. In a lot of ways, the exclusives that we get to do can help to fill a lot of that that uh, you know desire that we have to have our fingerprint on the, the pen world and get to influence and sell really cool exclusive things. So the need to have like officially a Goulet branded product, mm. The, the pressure is not on so much for that to happen because we have, you know, other retailer exclusives. Um, you know, it'd be different if we were trying to build, you know, usually if you have a pen brand, if you're coming up with your own branded item, not necessarily in the fountain pen world, but just in general, if you have a brand that's strong enough where you can create your own branded item, usually what would happen is you would then try to wholesale that product to other larger retailers, especially ones who are not necessarily directly in your demographic, you know? So I think of like, you know, I've got a, I've got an associate of mine who sells like grooming hair care type products, beard oils and razors and things like that. So they have their own branded products. They do a lot of YouTube videos and stuff and they, they, um, landed target. So they have their products in target now while well, they're getting exposed to so many more people by having those products available at a large retailer like target. That makes a lot of sense for them to have their own branded products, not only that they're selling, but then is getting out there and kind of spreading for them. But for a company like us to come out with a branded product that we only sell and don't sell through anybody else, that takes a lot of the, from a business standpoint, takes a lot of the benefit out of, you know, having that, that branding and having that, you know, kind of thing going on. So, um, little, little less incentive to do that unless we wanted to go that route, which at this point we don't. So, you know, it's something that we're thinking about a lot, but part of the reason I wanted to take this question is really, I want to kind of gauge from you all, our audience, um, you know, I really would like to know if we were to come out with like Goulet pens or a, the first Goulet pen, what should that be? Would that be like a really good value pen starter intro pen? Would that be some really high end, heavily themed limited edition? Would it be something really wild and crazy in terms of material or something like that? Or would it be something that's just very practical, very durable, carry around everyday use? There's so many routes we could go and the range of products you can come up with in the pen world can range from a couple of bucks to tens of thousands of dollars. I mean, you can really go the full gamut if you wanted to go nuts. So um, I would just love to know what you all think. So please leave some comments about what you think feels like us. Like what pens would you want to see with our name on it? Because that will be very helpful in us on or just understanding better like what would kind of hit the bullseye because ultimately it's all for you all. I mean, I could make a pen for my own ego, but really it's the reason we would make a pen would be to provide them to you all. So um, we'd love that feedback, but yeah, no, nothing specific in the works. I won't even like have a, a teaser hanger cliffhanger spoiler thing dangling out there. There's nothing firmly in the works on this, um, but 
you never know. You could be could be planting a seed here, and uh, I won't be able to get it out of my head. And then, you know, we'll look back and say, episode thirty-two. You know, that's the one. That's the one that did it. You never know. There we go. Let us know, please. Indeed. All right. Got a question for you, Drew. This is from Humbert. Hum. Hum. Oh gosh. Humberto G G C. Okay. Humberto. Humberto. Okay. Apart from blue and black, are there other ink colors appropriate for the workplace? Hey, you work at a place. I do. And you're you know what? Perspective on this. It's very frowned upon to use fountain pens at the Goulet Pen Company. I'll tell you, it's just like mm. you, you shove a big rollerball into the hand and you just send them out into the, into right. the Steno you gotta, pool. You got to kind of hide it. Yeah, you yeah can't, it's terrible. You can't have it's it out in the open. Shameful. Uh, mm-hmm. No, in most cases, absolutely work appropriate. But let mm. me start off by saying if you are mandated by your employer to use either black or blue ink, please do that, yeah. especially if there are legal consequences. Don't don't go against those wishes. There are plenty of beautiful blues out there. You'll you'll be fine. Um, if it's just like a if it, if you just kind of want to keep things professional though, then yeah, absolutely. There are a ton of great inks that would look both professional and fun. My suggestions are going to center around darker colors that or you know something that almost looks black you know at first glance but then has that like hint of color i love those i really enjoy writing with those and sometimes i wish i did work at a place that was kind of you know strict about that so i can kind of like have fun sneaking in fun little colors but uh yeah i don't so it's not a big deal but sometimes i still do um anyway uh the private reserve private reserve Private Reserve Ebony inks are a great place to start. So they've got Ebony Red, which is kind of a brown, but still looks cool. Um, ebony Blue, Ebony Purple, Ebony Green. Um, they have an Ebony Brown as well, but it's actually not as dark of a brown as you can find in other brands. So pretty much every Ebony but brown um, is a very, very dark color. That's, you know, you know, if you're using a fine nib and it's going on pretty dark, it's only going to have that hint of color that only you'll know that it's actually a fun color. So that's a great place to start. Uh, there's lots of good blue, blue blacks. I tried narrowing down one, but honestly, you pick a brand, they're going to have a solid blue black in their assortment. And that's a great place to start. In fact, I think that blue black was, you know, in many ways uh, popularized by trying to, you know, inject some fun color into more professional environments like that so uh robert oster motor oil and noodlers l lawrence are two of my favorites they have this kind of a brownish greeny blackies thing going on uh l lawrence is a little bit darker and a little bit more green uh, motor oil is a little bit more brownish but both of them are fun and you know with a finer nib they're going to appear much darker with just that hint and then, of course, uh, Diatramentus Document Series has a black red and a black blue. And I think they called it this because the black is heavier than the other color. Instead of like a blue black, they're like, let's call it black blue because it's pretty much black with just the faintest, faintest hint of blue. And if you are in a environment where you need to have permanents in your inks, these are great options as well. You can have a little bit of a hint of color, but they're also going to be very, very permanent, waterproof, very, very solid inks that will last 
longer than the paper in most cases. And then you could also go with a gray. And because I feel like if a black is allowed, then a gray is not too far off as long as it's not like a light, light gray. Um, obviously, Diamine has two very, very popular grays. One of my personal and oldest favorite is, favorites is Diamine Graphite. I love that color. Just a hint, 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 hint of greenish going on in there. A more true gray would be Diamine Earl Gray, which is probably Diamine's um, most popular gray, if not one of their top five most, most popular mm. shades overall. Um, those are my suggestions. Hopefully that helps. Brian, you got anything? Yeah, I uh, well, I actually did a video on this back in 2017, a short one. It's like a three and a half minute video. I don't even That's know if I can. Very short for that. Time I don't even know period. if I'm capable of doing that. I can't even answer. A, I can't even do the intro in three minutes these days <laughs> on the pencast. Um, so anyway, you can go check that out. We'll have a link in the description. Um, but uh, in there, I talk about work appropriate inks, and it, it goes along the same vein of what Drew said. Though I did mention some different inks, so that's kind of fun. I, was, I didn't even remember what inks. I mean, that was five years ago at this point. So I uh, looked back at it. So I said Noodler's Javago, which kind of fits in that mm-hmm. dark dark green. Um, Noodler's Walnut, dark brown that yeah. is browner than ebony brown. It is. Uh, Diamine Oxblood, super popular dark red color. Uh, definitely holds up. Uh, Diatromentus Aubergine. So that's like a deep purple. Huh. It's a nice, really nice color. It's a little more vibrant than your PR ebony purple. So uh, see if you could sneak that one in there. That would be a fun one. And then I said Pilot Roshizuku Kujaku. So that one is like blue that leans a tad green. So that's not going as much on the dark theme, but that's one that's more like flittering on the edge of what might be considered blue. So you could kind of have some fun. There's a lot of turquoises too that will kind of fall in that vein. It's like, is it blue? Yeah, you know, there's some teals and stuff like that. I feel like you could sneak some of that, you know, sneak some of that stuff in there. Sure. yeah, but basically everything that Drew said, it's like, obviously, you know, if you work at a law office or, you know, some sort of governmental agency and they require certain colors, okay, maybe don't mess around with that on the documents that you know you need to. But there's plenty of people I know that they're like, yeah, I'm restricted to these colors, but, you know, I have my own notebook that I use for just organizing my stuff or my planner or whatever, and I use friggin' whatever, you know, Diamond Morning Glow or whatever, Apple Green and all kinds of crazy stuff. They're like, because I just want it to be my own. I'm like, well, more power to you. So like, definitely you can get your color fix in there. Um, you know, even if you have to be somewhat conservative on the on the color front. All right, and now we have approached Numero Trace, and this mm. question is from Rada. And they are asking, love the cast, which is a statement that we Mm. like. Thank you. Question for another episode. When I want to change inks in a large capacity pen, like a Twisby 580, I usually Mm. dump the unused ink back into the bottle it came from. (sighs) Is this a bad idea? Oh, my goodness. I can't believe it. Why would you do that? No, it's probably okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You should be okay doing that you know just use your judgment so like everything in life you know you take calculated risks everything in moderation absolutely you wake up and you get out of bed that's a calculated risk you You could die you could trip on your slippers and, you know, then bad things could happen I won't go down that rabbit hole but, you know everything's a calculated risk what kind of slippers are you wearing? I actually don't wear slippers I don't know I went with that analogy (laughs) I usually just I'm exhausted so I just like whatever take off my jeans and just leave them in a Brian's pile slippers have banana and... peels mounted to the bottoms of them so it's very very yeah. dangerous very he likes to live on yeah. the edge well you know how many socks that we leave around the house here so like it's a hazardous <laughs> walking environment in the Goulet household as it is 
you got to be very sure-footed around here. Um, anyway, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, pens. So uh, there's calculated risk, I'll use in heavy quotations, um, with putting the unused ink back into your bottle. You know, so technically, as you're writing on paper, you're going to get paper fibers and dust and other, you know, environmental contaminants potentially that could be just from using your pen in the wild, right? Just like if you have new shoes and you go and wear them outside and you come back in the house, you're going to be tracking in some of the things from the outside, you know? So yeah, do you, if you want to keep your ink as clean and yeah, as possible, you shouldn't do that, right? So I would say if it's just your normal, everyday, very replaceable, regularly available, not crazy expensive ink, yeah, dump it back in there and don't really sweat it too much. You know, honestly, you'll probably not make it to the end of that bottle anyway, because most of us are buying more ink than we're possibly ever going to use in 12 lifetimes or 40 in my case. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't necessarily sweat it too much, but I'm right there with you. I still, as much ink as I have access to, I still have this inclination to put my ink back in the bottle. And sometimes it's just practical. Sometimes it's just like, okay, well, I have the bottle of ink right here. Let me just dump it back out and then I'll, you know, go on my merry way. Um, but uh, yeah, I would say if it's like a, a vintage ink or something that is very hard to come by, maybe don't do that. And I know there's like a little bit of backwards logic there because it's like if it's really old or rare or expensive or whatever, you're like, no, I want to keep every precious drop of this. But I would be inclined to say, well, maybe you shouldn't do that because if you're trying to keep the ink in the best shape for as long as possible, exposing it to the environment by writing with it and then putting it back in the bottle potentially could expose some contaminants, um, specifically with some vintage inks because, you know, how long do those biocides really hold up? And, you know, it's been a long time that ink's sitting there for a very, very long time. You can get sludge and build up and other things like that just over time from it sitting there. So I wouldn't tempt fate. I would say just go ahead and use up the rest or just use a different pen or just get, get the enjoyment that you got out of that fill and then, and then dump the rest. Um, um, but I did some math, you know, just thinking about it. It's like, okay, so take your typical ink, right? Like an Orochizuku 50 mil, you know, 20 bucks or so that's around 40 cents per milliliter. Right. I'm just thinking like practically, what does it cost you to dump this ink? So take a Twisby 580 piston. That's just over a milliliter in the, in the tank of that pen, so to speak. So if it's about say half full, like how much would you feel inclined? Like, I don't know, Drew, if you have a 580 that's half full, you, don't, you don't, might be Don't inclined. bring me into this mathematical conversation. I know. Leave I me out of this. Drew's Are you brain, kidding me? Drew's brain is hurting. Just I'm powering through this. You you keep on going. <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to not melt. Okay. But, but, okay. But it's like from a practical standpoint, because like it's an emotional thing. You're like, I don't want to dump this ink, but like practically speaking, okay, Roshizugu, it's regularly available. Costs 20 bucks. <laughs> Excuse me. 40 Are you cents. allergic to math too? Because that's, that's how I'm feeling. No, I put this All math right. in here. Yeah. Math, gives me, math gives me life. Um, not really. Uh, so, you know, if you've got, say you've got half a Twisby 580s left of ink, right? Which is a pretty, pretty decent amount of ink left, right? So that's about 20 cents worth of ink, right? So it's not nothing, but it's 20 cents. Like if you saw, if you saw 20 cents on the ground and you were walking somewhere, would you stop and bend over and pick it up? And if the answer is no, then you should just dump that ink and not think about it and don't put it back in the bottle because it's not that much 
money in the grand scheme of things. Now, if you're like, heck yeah, if it was four cents, I would go on the ground and pick it up. Then I'm like, well, maybe you should dump it back in the bottle then because that's just, you know, where your values lie. So I think with regular ink, regular pen usage, I would say maybe don't sweat it quite as much because it's replaceable. And unless it's a crazy expensive ink, then you're probably fine. But if it's a more rare ink and you really, really are trying to preserve it for a long time, then I would maybe not dump it back in. But it's really, it's really up to your discretion and uh, your mileage may vary. So that's my answer for that one. Always check the dates on coins, Brian. That's what I always do. Do you know you know the the weirdo you can't that can't check the date until you pick it up, Drew. I know, but then I put it back there. down. Do you know the weirdo what? who That's insanity. Why would you do that? <laughs> then I you might... have no payoff. I would I would put it on a shelf or something like that. I'm not I'm not keeping nonsense. But I you do which I, shelf? I'm talking like I don't walking know. down the street. And okay, you see I'll put a it coin. on the bumper of a car. I don't know. What? Um, Why would you do that? <laughs> I don't want it. Um, but but I always check the dates. I actually also check the little ejection slot of the Coinstar machines every time I go to the grocery store. The ejection? Oh, because people because like some of them just don't the rejects. Yeah, a lot of them are, are foreign coins or coins that are too old. Yeah. Huh. I found some fun. I found one from Spain the other day. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Every now and what then find gonna, one from Canada. Nothing, nothing you, special. What, but. You, what are you going to do with that coin? I, I have a, I have a, I have I have a coin organizer with all my. What? I have a, I have a I have a South America section. I have a Spain section. I have a depending and then if some if basically if anything is pre nineteen sixty four is a good chance it's silver too. That's what you want to look for. Yeah, at least in the U S. That was yeah, at least in the U S. Well, a lot of a, yeah. a lot of uh, yeah with um with the U K. You want to look for you know stuff uh, prior to decimal day and things like that. But uh, yeah, so I mean, well, no, 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 decimal day. No, they were it was it was not silver back then. With the U K. Silver started in i think the 40s at some point like the anyway don't listen to me but yeah always check the dates you can find some fun stuff if you See, really now, wanted. now you're making my brain hurt i'm just talking about simple math and you're like <laughs> flinching over there now you're going on about all this history of coin stuff and oh yeah yeah We've all got our thing, don't we? Yeah, we do. We do. So, oh, man. So somebody asked in the comments, um, I didn't put this one on here, but someone asked like, hey, do you guys, like, isn't it kind of bad to have to work at a place that you're so passionate about? Because hobbies are supposed to be an escape from work. And I replied, mm. I was like, Brian and I have plenty other hobbies. Don't you worry. <laughs> we have so many things distracting us from life. So we're, we're good. I think a lot, yeah. I think most fountain pen fans probably have a couple other rabbit holes that they jump down oh, yeah. pretty frequently. Um, yeah, definitely. Serial hobbyists going on in yeah. this community, no question. Um, I, I will probably say for anybody that still cares about this question, uh, if you want to, you can also <laughs> eject your ink back into a sample vial and then just mm. seal that up so that you can keep your ink without actually risking any sort of contamination issues. That's usually what I do. There you with go. Yeah. The inks that, and also, I don't put ink that I'm not going to finish in large capacity pens. If I'm going to fill up a, mm. VAC, a, a VAC 700 or 580 or something like that, it's going to be a pen that I, it's going to be an ink that I use a lot, like a black or something like that, that just gets a lot of everyday use. Um, but uh, yeah, I know not everybody does that. And I don't want you to not use your pen because you're afraid of, you can't finish it. But I, I, like I tend to, the larger the capacity ink, the more practical, I'm sorry, larger capacity pen, the more practical ink I put in there. The fun, crazy, weird stuff that I know I'm going to get sick of pretty soon, I put in the cartridge converter pen. Yeah. And I personally have like, again, this is like, as you're newer in fountain pens, you're, you're gonna, you know, 
you're going to want to be like, yeah, I want to get the max fill on everything. And you're like, oh, I actually don't love this color quite as much. What do I yeah. do with the rest of this now? Yeah. Um, happened a lot. I went through that plenty. Um, you know, but now these days I'm like, yeah, I don't, I rarely will I ink up a Twisby 580 to its max unless I'm like going on a business trip and like literally traveling somewhere and I'm at a conference for three days writing yeah. like crazy. I'm like, I'm not going to use that much ink. That thing's just going to be more to dry out and have to clean out and especially knowing my cleaning habits and COVID life here. Um, so when I ink up a 580, I'll ink it like a third maybe, you know, because I'm just, I know I'm not going to use it that much. And if I do use it that much, I can always just put more in you know what i mean it all depends on your situation do what you want live your life yellow freedom seals live your best life freedom freedom seals. that's right <laughs> oh my gosh okay next question is from Haley cates drew which fountain pens are among the pantheon of legendary fountain pens legend are we talking like all pens through all history because i see you got some notes in here and i'm like these i don't even know some of these literally. i don't know who most of these but Haley didn't <laughs> specify so here's what i'm gonna do okay. for you Haley. um okay. this got me thinking with my brains mm. about the time brian and i walked all over to italy <laughs> and like visited this. yeah you know we, we we hopscotched over to torino italy where the aurora factory and offices are um, officina and uh, we checked out their museum which is amazing and one great thing about the aurora fountain pen museum is that they had a section where they celebrated a bunch of different fountain pens throughout history that were not necessarily aurora pens and i was like this is so super cool and i found out what their list was and now this mm. is a list that we cannot tell you why it was on here they have all the literature there I, you know i don't think they, they have, have it public reasons. you they have, have yes reasons. they have reasons but generally each pen uh had some feature that had not yet been seen before it, it pushed the envelope a little bit further within the fountain pen industry um so just real quick i'm gonna run down um the list here 1896 actually i'm not gonna do the years it ha i have the years but whatever waterman's 22 um, the Conklin Crescent Filler, that was 1898. And I do know that that was the first self-filling fountain pen. So that's mm -hmm. a big deal. So that was the first pen. I think that the Waterman's 22 must have had some sort of like, you know, you, an eyedropper or something like that. But uh, the Crescent Filler probably, probably, was yeah. like, you could it actually had the, the sack in it. So big, mm -hmm. huge deal. Um, and then you've got the Waterman's 12S, the Onoto de la Rue. The Parker Duofold, the Schaefer Balance, the Pelican Model 100, the Wall Ever Sharp Doric, the Parker Vacuumatic, the Mont Blanc 139, the Parker 51, which everybody knows, the Aurora 88, and the Aurora Hastile. So Aurora puts them in there toward toward the end, but um, that's, th that was their list. And um, I thought that was really impressive and uh, mm -hmm. really cool that they're celebrating the writing history overall. Um, of these pens... Uh, Parker did have a newish 51. I can't speak to that one because we didn't, we don't carry Parker. Um, yeah, they, re they revamped it, what, a year or two ago? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it had mixed, mixed feelings about that. But I can say that we still do carry the Crescent Filler, the Conklin Crescent Filler, the Mark Twain Crescent Filler, the black one, the chased black. That is more or less the original one. Obviously, there have been some improvements made, but... It's basically the same pen. It looks pretty pretty similar. I think it's a little thicker than the original. I think the original was probably. a little more thin. But as far as pens from this list that you can still get, that's probably the one closest to the original, um, still being made by the same company. So mm -hmm. neat. Um, so 
that's historical stuff. Brian nor I profess to be experts in fountain pen history, and uh, nah. we don't generally like to step out of bounds. We like to focus on the f- stuff that we've had personal hands-on experience with. And um, so I did um, get a list of five pens together that I think are currently available pens that deserve a place in kind of like the Mount Rushmore or Pantheon of legendary pens that are mm. currently legendary that I think have changed the landscape of the fountain pen industry in some way, shape, or form. Um, and uh, I, I chose one word to describe each of them just to kind of like categorize them myself. So the Lamy 2000, my pick, I consider that immortal. Pen's been around forever. It will probably continue to be around forever. Mm. The Mont Blanc 149, we don't sell this pen but i picked the word transcendent because even if you're not into pens this thing is is pervasive in a way that i don't think any other fountain pen is it's just it's out there outside of the fountain pen realm and you can't argue the fact that that is that's huge um the visconti homo sapien uncompromising the design of this pen had pushed the envelope very, very far. And Visconti as, as a whole continues to do this with design and principles and things like that. And uh, the Homo sapiens has been a grail pen for a lot of people for a lot of years. So I definitely think uh, that belongs on the list. The Twisby 580, groundbreaking. The A lot of Twisbys could be on this list. You could put the Eco on here too. But I chose the 580 because that's been kind of their flagship pen for the longest period of time. They had the 540 before that, but the 580 has been so accessible for so long and has been such a great entry point for so many people to get into the fountain pen hobby. I think that the 580 is, I would definitely put that up on the uh, Mount Rushmore of um, legendary pens that you can currently get. And then finally, I put the Pilot Metropolitan on here. I wanted another one that, uh, I use the word prolific here, meaning it is just out there it has proliferated, right? It is just gotten in so many people's hands and created a positive first time user experience in the fountain pen world. And of all the starter pens, you know, I, I almost went with the Safari on this one. Um, while the Safari is immensely popular and in so many hands overseas, I think mm. in the US, uh, the Metropolitan has been responsible for a lot of first-time passages and um it comes with converter and i think that that just like adds to Mm. a little bit higher first-time accessibility than the safari does um but yeah it's right there i wanted something that kind of gets people in so i kind of i tried to have a good variety of types Mm. of pens didn't want to repeat brands either but you know whatever that's just my personal thoughts so that's me it's a pretty solid list drew i would say i i similarly had a list kind of going on there and uh, i didn't originally have words for each of mine but as you were talking i took inspiration i came up with my own words all right which as you know last minute pressure is just where i become my most eloquent there we go so uh i tried not to to repeat your list but i did for at least one of them um lami 2000 i just i love that pen you have to it's so good. Um, so for that one, I put cool because I think that pen's really cool. So that's my that's my iconic word. There we go. Um, the next one, boy, you know, I love the Pilot Custom 74, but the Custom 823, oh, it's like hand in hand. So I'm, I'm going to put the 823 because that's really risen a lot and the mechanism, the, the filling mechanism is cool. So uh, for that one, I put great. 
I think it's a great pen. Um, the Noodler's Nib Creeper, very controversial, but I think Noodler's has got to be in here somewhere in terms of impact. I thought about this one. Like, I would not say this is going to be the greatest writing experience out no. of anything on this list, but it for what it is, it's so influential and iconic and it changed so much of the game when it You're came absolutely out. right. It really was, it really did shake things up there. Yeah. Uh, around 2010, uh, it was it really shook up the industries. I, I debated about putting that one in there. Yeah, so I put that was fun. That was my word. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I went with Twisby as well. I did the Eco, Eco 580. I think it's a toss up between yeah. the two. Um, very influential. Eco's definitely become an up and a comer in the last many years. Absolutely. Um, I'm gonna, that one, my, my big $10 word there is neat. I think it's neat. And uh, the last one I had was the Pilot Falcon. I think that one has just been, it's been, you know, maybe not talked as much about talked about as much in recent years but really ever since we were aware of fountain pens the falcon stood alone it was talked about it still is a popular pen great writing experience such a good reputation um so yeah i would say that that one is nice nice so cool great fun neat and nice those are my michael scott level descriptors for, <laughs> for my pens but seriously this is not a super serious list there's so much more thought that could be put into this yeah and uh, if you ask me again in 12 minutes i'll probably give you five different pens but anyway. yeah, i was actually very impressed with your your self-control here and like there are so many more people that have greater historical knowledge than brian or oh, I, that, yeah. that that could put together like a perfect list that takes into account hundreds of years a no, hundred years of fountain pen history but uh absolutely this is i thought i thought it might be be yeah i thought it might be cool to kind of focus on like what what you could go out and get you know sure sure. um yeah so yeah there we go that was a fun uh fun question Haley. thank you all right all right final question for this week brian comes to us from marie and Mm. marie has a newbie question okay she asks when i hear you speak about pens that need adjustments or tuning when would I chalk up a less than enjoyable rider to just being the nature of that particular brand or style versus when I need to start seeking help and getting it corrected? Boy. That's, that's a good question. That's a great question. Yeah. And it's so tough to answer because there are so many variables. Um, especially if you're newer to fountain pens, that's so tough because there could be small tweaks based on the way you're holding the pen or the ink or the paper that you're using. There's so many variables that are within your control that don't require any actual adjustment or changing of what the thing is. Um, so I would say that's that's the first step is, and I gotta speak broadly here because it's just such a broad question. I would I think say- it's more first, extra fine. What's that? I think it's more extra fine. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. Ah, uh, well done. Well done, Drew. Uh yeah, I would say I would say the first approach would be to try to address everything that doesn't require actually changing what the thing is first. Um and obviously if you're newer to pens and if it's if it's a new pen, if it's if it's a vintage or a, something you bought at a show or whatever, I mean you're going to just figure it out. But if it's something you bought new like from us or another retailer, reach out to that retailer and be like, "Hey, this is what I'm experiencing. 
I don't know if this is normal for what this pen is. You know, going back on the example we had kind of at the beginning with the feedback where people were talking about the Platinum 3776 Century. Great pen, has a great reputation, but it's the nib's a little stiff for some people that like the bouncier nibs on something like a Pilot. Well, it doesn't mean that anything's wrong with the Platinum. You know, that's how the pens are made. That's how they're designed. So it could just be that it's a preferential thing, you know? So it could be that it warrants, you know, an exchange for something that you just prefer more, or it could be maybe you just had an initial impression of like, oh, I thought this was going to be bouncier, you know, but then as you use it more, you're like, actually, you know what? I don't mind it so much because I'm kind of getting used to it and I appreciate it for what it is in different circumstances. I've had that happen many times where I had, whether it's an ink, you know, a paper to lesser degree, but certainly pens where it's like, oh, like I had in my mind, like what I was going to see or experience or how much I would like something. But in like the first word that I write, I'm like, no, this is different. (laughs) You know, it's like, it's like if you're, you know, if say you really love iced tea and you really love milk and you're picking up your cup and you think that it's going to be milk, but you accidentally grab the person next to you and it's their iced tea and you're like oh what is this it's not that you don't like iced tea it's just that you're expecting milk and it's very different so um i don't know why i went with that example but clearly no, that's I, happened to me i feel it's important in my life yeah mm. <laughs> yeah so it's like it's the kind of thing that like i think you don't necessarily want to make a snap judgment about it you want to get some experience with it and just really try to understand like is this thing what it's supposed to be and i just need to either get used to it or change it because i just really don't like it you know the the whole thing with the adjustment or like nib grinding nib tuning that kind of thing that's more if the thing is either just like flat out not working right like it's not working properly which i think the biggest indicator there is consistency you know if it's consistently behaving in some manner and you know you or whatever are able to ask other people who've used it or ask whatever the retailer whoever you got it from and you find that there is consistency with that product but it's just not maybe to your liking that's not necessarily anything wrong with it and if you still love all the other aspects of it say it's a nib that's too stiff or it's it doesn't write as wet as you would like or the nib size isn't quite what you would want well if you can't exchange it or whatever then it's like i love the pen you know i let's say it's a limited edition color or something it's like this color speaks to me but I just, this nib size is just not cutting it for me. And now it's discontinued and I can't get another one. Well, there might be, it might be worth modification because you would love that pen more if you could change what it is. Doesn't mean that's not what it was supposed to be. It just means that you want it to be something different than it is. So I think that's, that's one thing, you know, if you want to, it's, that's worth modifying. If you have really just determined like, no, this is, this is what it's supposed to be. I just want it to be something different than what it is. I think it's a different situation if you're writing with a pen and say like scratchiness, smoothness, that's a big thing with fountain pens and same with flow. If you're writing with it and it's really scratchy in one direction, but not in another, and it feels very inconsistent, that's a sign that some adjustment or some tuning is probably in order. Um, And that's where, you know, you can either work with the retailer or maybe look to either adjust it yourself or have somebody else adjust it just to make it to be what it's supposed to be. Um, so that's a fine line to try to gauge, but, uh, that's what you want to try to determine is, is it consistent? Is it, you know, behaving like it's supposed to? Um, I think the things that are most common for customization is nib grinding, you know, specifically if it's like a particular size of a nib or maybe the angle 
you know, some people write with a really high angle, low angle, whatever, that may or may not match up to way the pen, you know, flows or performs the best. So, you know, if you go to a pen show, for example, and you see what Nibmeisters are doing, a lot of times they're adjusting for flow or they're adjusting for the grind based on the specific way that somebody holds the pen. Um, that's very difficult, especially if you're new, because even like the Nibmeisters and stuff, they don't, they have some information on them, maybe their websites that talk about pen angle and all this kind of stuff, but really it's difficult to understand that online. Like really that's why they all do pen shows so much is because you get to see the person and get to write with them and see the angle they're holding it at. Um, so that's where modification can come in. If you over time determine like, yes, I just, I hold my pen at an angle that is very, you know, outside of where they might typically grind, then I probably need to consider getting my pen modified for it to be most comfortable for me. Um, so yeah, I think the safe rule is to try to use the thing regularly for maybe a month or so. You know, try and you'll get to know it well. You'll find out if it has consistencies. Try and contact the retailer who, wherever you got it from. See like, is this thing performing as it's supposed to? And am I just kind of learning it, getting used to it? And then after that time, do I still fundamentally want to change what this thing is? Then you should look at modification or you're like, yeah, I just, I'm kind of over this and you return it and get something that you like better. So I think that's, that's a general rule that you can kind of go with. Yeah. And does I will, does that sound one, fair? absolutely. And especially the thing he said last, I, I was going to mention that if he didn't do not keep a pen that you do not like, like the whole mm. point of this hobby is to just experience the joy of writing. And if you've got a pen, honestly, trust your instincts. Like even if you think it might be you, like that's fine. Like return it anyway. Yeah, you might get a you know a, a, a restocking fee or something like that. But get a pen that makes you happy. Get a pen that makes you want to write. So your preference is okay. Don't think that oh it's just me. I'll have to deal with it. No, don't deal with it. Get it back. Like eat the restocking fee cost or the shipping fee or whatever. Get a pen that makes you super happy. Like there's enough out there that there's going to be one that is perfect for you. You just gotta find it. Do a little bit of research. Talk with the team at the retailer you bought it with. You know, get that thing dialed in. But ultimately, make sure you're happy with what you got. Nobody, like whether it's us or another retailer, nobody in the industry wants a customer to have a pen that they don't love. It benefits no. everybody. It benefits you because you get to have a pen that excites you. benefits the whole industry because odds are you're going to want to buy another one at some point if you love fountain pens enough. So everybody mm -hmm. wins if you get a pen that you love. So I can't say that enough. Get a pen that you love. Make it work. Um, I will say one little exception, one little caveat to that. One exception that to not do. getting a pen you love. What? what? No, 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 no. I mean, okay. So I think th this is where we are in the land of nuance here, right? Oh, so I think don't pull me I into think, your gray area, Goulet. No, 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 no. no. Hey, yeah, we like you know, we live in a gray world. Come <laughs> on, whether we like whether we like it or not. All right. I think that there are some. There are some. I have some pens that I don't love the way that it writes. But I am really glad that I have it because it's serving a different purpose to me than just being a daily writer. I have some things that are either collectible or I love the way that they look or I like that they complete like a portion of a collection that I have within a certain brand. So there may be aspects of it that I don't love quite as much, but I'm okay with that because that's not the main reason why I have it. So I will say it's not like if everything's not perfect about the pen, just get rid of it because then... You know, especially if you're talking like special editions or limited editions, these types of things, if you, you find that you really enjoy the collection aspect of a particular pen, but you're like, dang it, I had an original Savannah Lamy Safari that was just a little bit scratchy. 
and I let that thing go. And if I had it now, I would have my complete collection. Now they're $500 on eBay. I wish I just freaking kept the dang pen. Like, so I'm just saying, I'm just saying, may okay. want to keep that in certain circumstances. In very certain it. circumstances, sure. But I'm talking about fountain pen for writing purposes. If sure, it's not, sure. If it's not writing the way you want it to, Fair um, enough. find Fair something enough. that does. Um, and also, you know, before you're jumping into any conclusions about whether or not it's doing the thing it's supposed to do, eliminate variables. Clean your pen. It's kind of like restarting oh. your computer. Yeah. Give it a good yeah. cleaning. Change your ink. Try a different paper. You know, just eliminate any variables that you think yeah. might be gumming up the work so that you can go and do what Brian said earlier and establish consistency. But you can't establish consistency if you have a variable floating out there, you're just, you know, gumming up the works. Um, Absolutely. But, uh, yep. yeah, ultimately, we want you to be happy. So let us well know said. if you're not. Well said. Yeah. All right, everybody. It's been a little while. We've gotten some comments about not having done a hypothetical question in a little bit. I'm not going to say it's Drew's fault, but I will say that I've got one for this week uh, that I think uh, would be kind of fun. I actually keep a list of them for my kids because they love hypotheticals and would you rathers. And like I drive like the kids carpool every now and then and they always want to do hypothetical questions. So um, yeah, I got one here, Drew, if you're ready for it. It's sure. Fun, and, and yes, it has been my fault. I just, I, I would think of one every week and I just stopped doing that. It's so not, it's not like it's expected and you it's your fault you haven't done it i would say it's your it's your credit for everyone that we've had okay well thank so you without you without you doing the work there is a void to be filled in our hearts with hypothetical questions and today i'm gonna i'm gonna fill that void so hey, bring it on bring it on what you got um, my question for you drew is it's a would you rather question all right okay? would you rather take a pill a day for nutrients and feel full, but never eat, actually eat anything again, or eat whatever you want, but you never really feel full. Assume that your all your nu nutrition is fine and you weigh the same and all that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, you weigh the same. Oh, okay. You weigh the same. Yeah. So nutritionally, say it's a wash, gotcha. but just okay. if you- Because I was about to say, if I never feel full, I'm going to eat until I just get gigantic and die. You would basically have that feeling of being hungry, but you get to enjoy the taste of the food, the texture, the whole experience, you know, but you always are kind of left like you still want more food. Or would you rather just like Jetsons, like slice off a pad of butter and you get all your nutrients and you go on with your life, but you don't actually get to eat anything? That's a good question. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like I would uh, just be miserable and eat. I feel like after, <laughs> after a couple of years, I'd get used to it. I mean, people people live their mm. whole lives with chronic pain, and I'm sure you know feeling like you're hungry is. I'm sure if you get if you get if you had to give somebody that question, like, hey, would you rather have chronic knee pain from that football injury in high school or just feel hungry? Like, oh my god, please let me feel hungry. This knee, like, mm. constant. So I mean, if, if people live with you know joint pain and stuff like that or arthritis, and like being hungry is probably not that bad. So. Yeah, why not? I'll be hungry. I I do not. No one's taken away my bojangles and my jambalaya. Like I don't even don't don't even. That, that's that, true. You would never get to eat those again. That's a bad dream. Like yeah, sure, I'd save mm. money, but the 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 uh you know the community aspect. And I'm an introvert, so I'm like not jumping out you know of my mm. boots to get you know go so go to social activities. 
but going out to eat and oh man that that's such a big part of what makes me happy mm. and uh, we'll discuss this in my um what's happening segment but uh food mm. is food food is very closely tied to joy and happiness and uh I mean, food is central to basically every human social culture yeah like, it's such yeah. a big deal i'll deal Especially with it Especially if you were the only one, like I mean, that yeah, we're taking I mean, this it's already farther, it's but... already awkward enough that I don't drink. I don't need to add any more awkwardness to my you know social food activities. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll deal mm. with I'll, I'll deal with the grumbly tummy. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. Fair what enough. What about you? Gosh, you know, I was leaning the other direction, but I don't know, Drew. You got a pretty compelling argument there. That's tough. I mean, okay, so look at look at me. I'm no stranger to eating, right? Like, naturally, I kind of fall into the second camp anyway, where I eat a lot, and I kind of never feel full. Hey, we're already there. So I'm kind of already living that life, and I guess it's manageable. It's not so bad. But I will say, to play a little bit of devil's advocate, it does take a lot of time, you know? Like, I spend a lot of time cooking, preparing, eating, all that kind of stuff. And sometimes that's really tough to fit in. Cause You'd have to do that life. anyway to help help your family. It's not like you're just cooking for yourself. Yeah, that's true. I guess that, if we nuance the hypothetical, if I still got to be, like, preparing food for the family and doing, like, I hate going to the grocery store. Oh, it's so do I. Just, oh, I hate it. It's just, like, yeah. I mean, I mean yeah, they, do have, they, do, they do have Coinstar machines, so, I mean, but other than that, Well, they that's suck. true. You can pick up a... A random <laughs> unwanted coin every now and then. <laughs> but, you know, aside from that, um, yeah, I don't know. Oh, yeah, that's true. If I still had to do all that for my family and then I would just be like sitting there while everybody else is eating, and I would, that, would be, that would be kind of a bummer. So I think you've kind of convinced me, Drew. I was originally not taking in the full aspect of that question, even though I was asking it. But I think if it was just me, and I was kind of on my own, I'd be like, totally just give me a pill. Like I got other things I want to do. Yeah. Just get my, get that food in my face. Like that's usually what lunch is for me is like, I got four minutes until my next meeting. Cause this last one ran long and then I had to go to the bathroom and yada, 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 yada. And I got 12 emails to answer while I'm eating lunch. I'm like, what is the quickest thing that I can shove down my gullet so that I don't pass out this afternoon? Like I just need nutrients. Well, here's it here. Let me, let me, let me give you a, a, a different sort of thing. Um, mm. That has that has less the familial aspect. If you could okay. just if you could just take a pill to um, never have to sleep, uh, oh. but 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 you'd always be sleepy. Well, that's pretty much what my life is like right now. So <laughs> I can deal with that. I got two kids in my own business, man. That is my life. I don't get to sleep. Are you so me? you're always hungry and you're always sleepy. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I don't think the hunger has as much to do about like the kids or the business or anything. That's just that my sounds biology. miserable, Brian. I'm just like, I don't know. This how, are you so, how are you so happy all the time if you're always hungry and always sleepy? <laughs> I'm just really cranky. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. All right. Well, just that like, answers that. No, 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 no. I mean, hundred. I, oh, I have another really good hypothetical. Oh, but my we're face is hot. Running along. I have another good hypothetical, but I'm going to save it. But I got to write it down. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, uh, okay, hang on. Um, just give me one second. This is super awkward because you're just like watching me type. Oh, but I can't God. talk and type at the same time. Oh, that was good. Thank you for that. Oh. Wow, my sweater just got like 10 times as hot just because I was exhaustedly 
gasping and laughing. Oh, that's such a good question. Okay. All right. We got. I'll say that for later. This is really. This is okay. Really good. One. Really good one. All right. Hypotheticals okay. are back, folks. Apparently, at least for the next two weeks. Yes. And please let us know what you think for both of them: sleep and food. Would you be eternally sleepy or eternally hungry in exchange for not having to deal with either of those? Or would you be? Or, or are you already like Brian, where you are just moseying about uh, your day, cranky, miserable, sleepy, hungry mess? <laughs> miserable. <laughs> Uh, please let us know. Thank you. And I hope you're not like Brian. I'm sorry. Hey, come on. <laughs> Sounds so bad. Now we're going to go on to our tip of the week. All right, folks. Tip of the week. You know, I prepared a little bit. Minimally. Minimal preparation on this one. Um, but I'm going to try and demonstrate it live. I don't know if it's going to work. So I'll talk about it in concept first. And then we'll try the live demo. And if it's a total failure, maybe we'll cut it out and pretend like it never happened. But that's okay. Anyway, let me just tell this, you what this, it is. This, this seems like it would just be easily spoken, Brian. What are you, what are you, what are you doing? Well, I just, I just I thought, like, why don't I try to show it? Okay, anyway. All let me, right. Let me, let me tell you what I want to talk about, and then mm. I'll tell you how I plan to demonstrate it. Okay, so the tip of the week is, you know, if you have an ink that you're using, and it's really heavily saturated, but you want to, whether get more shading, maybe get it to flow a little better, you know, stop some of the smearing, maybe the dry time, you can dilute the ink with some distilled water to varying degrees, depending on what properties you're trying to attain. Um, it's, you know, Noodler specifically heavily saturates the inks and Nathan says you get as much ink, as, as much dye in these inks as possible, specifically so that if you want to dilute them, you can and you get even more value out of your ink because that's just the way he thinks, it's all about value. So, you know, it's something that like definitely is not a mystery and isn't even encouraged to do with different manufacturers, but um, not sure that it's something that most people are aware they can do. Um, so I wanted to just kind of demonstrate that out a little bit. If I really had my act together, I would have demonstrated it out and made sure that it like presented well and looked really good on camera and then just shown you, here's what I did earlier, but I didn't do any of that. So I was just gonna like dilute and then swab up a couple of different dilution levels and kind of see what it looked like and if it's great then perfect you know it doesn't take a whole lot of time and if it's a total fail then i'll be like well maybe it'll work on another ink and maybe you'll have better luck than me but that's the concept so taking a little we're playing with live ammo here drew i'm, I'm taking All a little right. bit of a risk well a lot, some, of, a lot of people think that it would somehow harm your ink to put water in it it really doesn't ink is mostly water mostly the inks water. we sell at our store anyway most fountain pen friendly inks are mostly mm -hmm. water so it's not that big of a deal and if your ink dries out to the point where it's like you know just a bunch of crust what you're seeing left over is just the ink without the water so you can resurrect it, bring it back to life with more water. So water is not an enemy to ink in any way. Now, if it's a super, super light ink, then yeah, uh -oh. you could render it uh, invisible. Uh, but if it's a super saturated ink, um, Organic Studio Nitrogen, we've actually talked about that in the pen cast. That is a super saturated ink that sheens like no other. It's a it's an insane ink. It never dries. So adding ink to it could, you know, enhance the uh, dry time a little bit. Exactly. So uh, what I've got here, I've got a bottle of, um, it's, you know, again, minimal preparation here. I grabbed the most saturated bottle of ink that I already had sitting on my desk, which is a bottle of Lamy Crystal Amazonite. Okay. Fairly saturated ink. Yeah. Um, so I've just syringed a little bit into a vial here. I'm doing about half a milliliter, you know, so this isn't going to be a completely exact science. Um, and then I, uh, oh, you know what? I'm realizing right now. 
I left my cup of water that I actually did pour to prepare. I left it in the other room. That's okay because I have my water bottle and I'm there going you to go. pour it into my empty cup. And then I will be able to just dilute it. So the thing that I recommend when you're doing this, don't take your full bottle of ink and go dumping a bunch of water into it because you can't take it back once you do that. So definitely recommend putting it into a vial. Um, so now what I'm doing is I'm just adding a little bit of diluted water here into my vial. And I'm gonna just do not much. Again, this is not super scientific, but I'm gonna dilute it maybe 10%, right? And then I'm gonna give it a little shake shake. So I find that if you do 10%, it's not going to change the color a whole lot, but it might change some of the properties. So I'm going to swab up the original. You know, I'm deeply saturating my Q-tip. And then I'm swabbing, ta-da, OG. Okay, so now I've got the original. I'm going to turn the Q-tip around, and I'm going to swab up the newly 10% dilution. And I'm going to see if that makes any difference. Mm. Okay. Now, granted, I'm not like putting it in a pen and seeing the flow and all that kind of stuff. That actually would take a lot more time to test. Okay, so I put that down. I basically want to see like how much can I dilute this before it actually like substantively changes the color of this ink to where you can see the difference in a swab. Okay, so I got my 10% and I'm letting it dry a little bit just so that I can, um, you know, give you a better impression. Because sometimes when you first put it down, you know how it is, Drew. When you first put the ink down on there, it'll uh, it'll look darker, and then oh, it lightens yeah. it lightens up as it dries. So I'm just giving it a few seconds here. All right, so I add a little more water. So I'm gonna say this is more like a 20% ish dilution. Again, you could be more exact. I could actually count the drops and those kind of things, but yeah. That's not really what matters at this moment. Our uh, disposable pipettes are actually really good for this. The drop control is a lot um, more easy to control uh, than the syringes that Brian's using. Though you could definitely do it, but oh, the, I have um, a good drop control here. I can no, like no, you don't. Look at that. No, look at that. I'm, I'm gonna hang a, on to that drop. No, look at, I'm not. I'm not impressed. There's that drop. One drop. No, no you're that. Two drops. Stop! Stop trying to prove me wrong. Oh, I got Brian. all kinds of drop control. Get out of here oh, with that. Nope. I'm gonna bring that back up. Oh, oh come on. <laughs> oh yeah, precision. Halfway. I'm gonna get uh, all that. No, nope, anyway. Bring it back. Oh my god. Brian's got some drop control. <laughs> Jeez. Anyway, okay. If you if you want to, you can use those things. That's a weird I flex. Like, I like That's to use flex. the disposable pipettes, Brian. And honestly, I think the drops are uh, uh, more droppy. I think they have a better better drop profile, personally. What does that mean? Drops that, are more droppy? Uh, well, there's a, the drop um, council has a very specific type of drop profile that needs to be met in order for it to qualify for official... Uh, Droplet certification. I think you don't have a clue what you're talking about. Well, huh. joke's on you. I don't Is it know though? what I'm talking about. I'm just trying to fill time while you are <laughs> doing your malarkey, Mr. Goulet. All right. So I've got um, a few different dilution levels here. And then, again, this is very non-scientific, but it gives you somewhat of an example. So I have the original, right, at the top. And then I did roughly a 10% dilution, 20%, and maybe 30%. And you can see, 
it definitely is getting lighter. Mm -hmm. So what that means is you're going to have a um, little bit of a change in dry time, perhaps a little bit of change in flow. That's going to depend on the ink itself. Um, but certainly you're going to get more shading um, and it's going to affect some other properties of the ink. So you can see there just about how much color it's going to change and stuff like that. So um, it's just something that I think is an option. It's easy. You you have water nearby. You could, I think you can use bottled water. It doesn't necessarily have to be distilled, especially if you're just testing it out. Technically, distilled water is the best because it has no minerals in it. So if you're going to do a full bottle of ink, I would recommend using that. But if you're just messing around, swabbing like I am here, you can use tap water. It doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, that's what I, th I think. It's just something fun to play around with. You can test out some inks if you have someone that you're like, yeah, I just really didn't like this one or... I didn't like particular properties. You can try diluting a little bit and maybe give it a new breath of life. Maybe you'll love it after that. I just got an idea, Brian. Oh, what's your idea, Drew? As you know, I'm a fan of extra fine nibs. Mm-hmm. But yet, I sometimes become sad because mm. I want to use an ink that uh, mm -hmm. might have good shading. Uh, but yeah. yet, in an extra fine nib, I'm not putting down a whole lot of ink and I can't get that nice shading. But... If I diluted it a bit, perhaps you, can, you might be I can, able to get uh, some shading. All right, Drew, that's your homework. You got to take because I know you have some extra fines. <laughs> <laughs> like Drew totally doesn't need more to do. Don't give me over, Ryan. Just one of your pens. Just one of your pens, Drew. This is super easy. Take an extra fine that you already have inked up, and just suck a little bit of water up in there. Just dilute it, just in the pen. Like no extra work. No extra work. Just do that and see if it helps your shading. That's all. <laughs> and, report, and report back. Oh, I got here. That is super interesting. I've never thought to do that. I've never thought to dilute specifically to try to get better shading in an extra fine nib. I don't even know what I have in here. I think it's very interesting. Oh, it's my, it's my, it's my Christmas ink. So this is uh, Noel. But this one's, okay. not a, this one's not a shady thing. This is, this is that red with the... Uh, with the uh, See this one I wanted because it's it's I did run into something similar. I wanted this ink because mm -hmm. it has a uh, funky sheen to it, like kind of a green sheen or mm -hmm. a brownish sheen. I don't yeah, think yeah. diluting that is going to help me there. It's going to give you less of less sheen. Yeah, so that's not. I wouldn't want to do with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then I have Winter mm -hmm. Miracle in here. I don't want to mess with that. Mm. That's not an extra fine either. This one uh, you could always Drew. You could always ink up a fourth pen. I'm just saying. Stop I'm just it. Saying. I'm just saying hodgepodge i could also do this too i don't know why i'm putting all this on you i, I don't know either i don't I know can. either come on that's true i was seeing if it was uh seeing if you were gonna take right, the well bait. you know <laughs> i would i would have if if this was uh i still have my christmas inks in here and they're very it's really uh, interesting if y'all care about this at all let us know in the comments and one of us will ink up an extra fine even if it's while we're doing next week's pen cast then we'll know you know that it's worthwhile. So anyway, we'll mess around with it. Or you'll try it and let us know what you think. That's what I got. So anyway, W your ink to help with flow, saturation, smearing, etc. That's our tip of the week. All right, next up, we've got the what's happening segment of the stuff that, you know, this is for all the people that you're already an hour and a half in on this thing. And you're like, yeah, this. This is how I want to spend my time. This is the snatch block people. Let's talk about some nonsense. These are our snatch blockers. Our snatch blockers <laughs> are cumbersome screamers. These are the these are the, the turkey hammock people. So yeah, this this is how you end on a biscuit right here. That's right. Let's do it. So Drew, I understand that you had an interesting last week. Yeah, well, I told y'all that my in-laws are visiting. So my wife's mm -hmm. mom, my wife's sister, my wife's sister's husband and their kid uh it was a it was a full house 
So that um, that was fine. I still would rather people visit than me visit them because at least I'm in my own house. You know, we were we were in the guest room on air mattresses and kids play things, but still, mm-hmm. still, still in my own house. Still had my stuff. <laughs> um, so that was fine. Uh, but they're gone now, so we're back to normal. The air mattress is deflated and stored and put away. But I had mm. a great post-in-law visit weekend, Brian. And it mm. started on Friday because after I published the pencast, mm-hmm. I went to Waffle House by myself. And I just sat at the at the bar area and I was just like, ah. Oh. And it's just something special about it. I just, I just love, love, love me some Waffle House. And mm. all the people were like, all the, all the um, employees were just joking and yelling at each other and making fun of each other. It was just a really, really great, positive environment. Yeah. And you know, they're like, "Do you need a menu?" I was like, "Nope," because I know what I want. And they don't even, they don't even say, "Here's a menu." They're like, "Do you need one?" Because a lot of people that come in here. Do I have to give you a menu? Yeah, I was like, Psh, "I don't need a menu. I'm getting an all-star special." Um, mm. So that was delightful and magical and delicious, and I was back within an hour. And I just that that is the magic of Waffle House. And mm, true, I'll also say that Waffle House, you can always see them cleaning. You can see the floors of the kitchen. You can see them checking the inventory. Like they they do a lot back there. And it's true. People say like, oh, Waffle House, but like, where else can you eat and you can see the kitchen? And you could eat at a nice restaurant, but if you can't see the kitchen, you don't know what's going on back there. I've worked at a restaurant. I've seen some kitchen. And the kitchen that I worked at did not look as good or was cleaned with the regularity that the Waffle House kitchen is cleaned at. So mm. I don't want to hear it about Waffle House. It's a gem. It's an irreplaceable piece of Americana that should be revered. Wow. Anyway, that was how my weekend started. It was delightful. And continuing the breakfast train, the next morning we actually uh, took uh, my mother-in-law to the airport and then on our way back through Richmond stopped at City Diner for breakfast, which is another small little diner. I got you love you some diners, oh, man. Oh, God, I do. I so do. And it oh, was yeah. snowing, Brian. I was like, mm. and I was facing the window in my little booth, had my coffee, my breakfast, and I saw the snow right, uh, it was right in front of the uh, the Science Museum in the DMV, so like some old Jeffers- Jeffersonian yeah. Building old architecture there. Oh yeah. my god, it was magical, and pancakes make everything better. Oh. So magical so, about having pancakes at dinner time. That uh, I gotta say, pancakes anytime. Like a breakfast food is the most miraculous thing oh, yeah. ever. And Br- Brinner is like a regular staple in the Goulet household. And that, that's like, why in this episode's hypothetical, I, I have to say that I have to, I will have to eat. I could never forego eating because it, 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 like breakfast is a direct tunnel into my heart and soul, and it is a panacea. It cures me of all ailments, and I, I would be lost without it. And my wife's looking at me like, "Well, you are really happy right now, aren't you?" I was like, "Yes." I'm just like beaming. Um, my, my chipped diner coffee mug that had a big old chunk taken out of it. I'm just like. Happy as can be. Um, And uh, we watched Encanto this weekend, so I finally got around to that. Um, That was pretty good. Um, Mm -hmm. Didn't knock my socks off or anything. It was no Moana, but still a solid entry into the the Disney library. Mm -hmm. Um, And also that night, I just ordered Pizza Hut. And, you know, it was just a great, great experience. Just nice, buttery, delicious crust. Oh, my God. Quite quite the restaurateur this uh, weekend here. Yes, yes, yes. Fancy, distinguished. Restaurateur? 
Restaurant tour is somebody that runs a restaurant, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Quite um, the patron. Quite the restaurant patron. This there we weekend. go. There we go. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Sunday night we had dinner with friends, and they just made a bunch of casseroles. It was kind of like a casserole night. We had like a shepherd's pie, and then some other sort of uh, wow chicken casserole thing. And normally I'm not a casserole person, Brian, because they're ugly and mushy, but they were delicious. I don't. I generally don't like ugly mushy foods. You don't but, like uh, uh, like single pan meals, like everything kind of mushed together in one thing. Uh, if it's like, you know, sausage and veggies and pasta or rice mm. or something, then yeah, sure. Okay. But like when it, when jambalaya. it is jambalaya, jambalaya. Mm-hmm. Oh, hell yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Uh, yes, absolutely. Sorry. You got me excited about jambalaya. <laughs> you got um, really excited. <laughs> you do get very excited about jambalaya. Um, but if it's like if, when it, when it becomes sloppy, like don't even talk to me about sloppy Joe. Don't, I don't want sloppy Joe looking at me. It's just, no. Why would you want a floppy hamburger? Like why not just a burger? Mm. Don't See, even. I like a sloppy Joe. No, yeah. no, I'll don't do even that. talk to me about sloppy Joe. I'll do that. But um, anyway, uh, the negative of my weekend, Brian, was I've been sore for like four days because mm. I'm I'm so out of shape. <laughs> I downloaded a boxing game for the virtual reality uh, thing I got, the Oculus. Mm. So I'm okay. doing this boxing game. I'm like, all right, cool. It's ten bucks. Let me grab this thing. So okay. you know, I'm fighting the guy. I'm like, all right, like cool. shadow shadow boxing, basically. Yeah, yeah, basically. You know, but there's there's the bad guy, Ugly Joe. I'm fighting him. And uh, I'm really giving it my all because I don't know if you know this about me, but I, uh, for as not in, not ec- uh, uh, active as I am, I also have a lot of energy. So I'm oh, pretty I'm pretty sedentary. Never really picked up on that. Yeah. yeah, pretty pretty sedentary in my lifestyle, but I also have a lot of energy. It's a weird dynamic. Um, it is true. You do have that dynamic. Yeah, it's strange. But um, so I'm giving this my all. I'm like, okay, cool. If I like just like go nuts and try to take this guy's head off, it works better. Yeah. But then, but then he stopped getting hurt by my punches. I'm like, so I'm going harder and harder and harder and harder. I'm like, <laughs> uh, like dying. Um, and my arms are hurting. And then finally he goes down, but I am like blasted for the next day. I can't move. I can't put my shirt on. I'm like, it's so just my arms are useless. My shoulders are in pain. And I found out, I found out that this game uh, the the harder you punch, the game like adapts to your strength level because otherwise, not everybody would be able to play it. Yeah, you'd have like children trying to play this right. game. Right. So would just what lose it does, it, yeah. it is it takes your strongest punches at the it measures the velocity and the speed and everything like that and mm. says like, okay, well that's this player's average strong punch. But I was giving it everything that I had, but it was adapting. Like from the get go. Yes, from the get go. So that's yeah. so I'm like I'm totally punishing myself. Because I didn't think that this game was going to have some funky adaptive punching thing. So I haven't played it since because I've been just suffering. And <laughs> I'm you just... Got, you got to get amped up to do it again. And dude, it was three. It was it was three three-minute rounds. That's, that, that's not even 15 minutes of activity, Brian. And I was totally wiped. Yeah. I can't do it. At, if you're going hard at it, like I could see. I know. Oh, I'm, this, yeah. is a, this is an activity you do every day. So these are muscles you're not used to using. I don't do before. anything every day, but... Yeah. So anyway, yeah. I'll uh, I need to have a rematch with Ugly Joe, uh, but uh, I'll let you know how that goes. But I need to be measured yeah. in my approach. The the see maybe what you need to do is you need to try it when you're really sore and tired, and it'll adapt to that, and you'll just be like, Ugh, I need to I need to I need to save those just as effective. I need to save those big hits. Mm-hmm. I'll let I'll let you know. I'll let you know how it goes. There you go. You yeah. need to like just be really sore and tired, and then like call Archer over and be like, "Hey, throw this punch for me," and then he'll just like. Blast oh, I let him. him play. I recorded him. It was <laughs> it was madness. I was like, "He's gonna break something." He was doing he was doing the windmill like 
The, oh like, boy! Oh yeah, he was windmill, windmill. Windmill. Um, yeah, he was yeah. going going nuts. He lost every nice. round, and then I didn't know you could do this, but like once the round is over, and you know the referee's standing there in between you and gonna tell you who the winner is, uh, Archer just starts punching the referee, and apparently you can do that. Oh gosh! And, and I'm I'm looking on my phone because I can see his screen. I'm like, Archer, don't punch him there. What are you talking about? <laughs> like that's terrible. That's below the belt, son. Punching the ref below the belt. Yeah generally frowned upon he thought it was hilarious sports he thought it was hilarious i mean it is pretty hilarious it's not a real person so it's it can be funny poor sportsmanship coming from archer brown there you go well it's a it's a learning opportunity shameful it's a teachable moment for your son shameful yeah yeah (laughs) how was your weekend brian uh well i didn't fake punch anybody but uh i'm also a little sore but for very different reasons um no doubt more productive um, reasons uh yeah most definitely (laughs) Uh, this is how it roll, and this is how we roll. <laughs> Drew's like, I did, well, I did all this crazy nonsense, and I'm like, yeah, I like relandscaped, you know, this thing and moved, you know, eighty tons of stone. And he's like, oh, cool. Well, I did that too. I just didn't didn't want to talk about it. Didn't didn't want to, yeah, didn't nah. want to brag. And, um, well, I I had my in laws visit this past weekend as well. Rachel's parents came into town, hmm. um, got to do some work outside, and you know, we got a little bit of land. And uh, her parents live in like suburb suburbs of DC, so they have like, you know. They're in a you know typical suburban area, and we have you know we're like in the country you know for them. So uh, her dad you know always loves coming down and getting to do like you know get get the hands dirty you know put the boots on and to get get muddy and do some work and stuff. And like Brian's that. like, and which like, chainsaw do you want to use? Yeah, and I'm, I'm literally like, you like you got to tag out because I will work until we both drop. Like, this is just how I roll. So I'm like, let me know what you want to do. So it was kind of cool just getting to work with him. He's a good guy. Like we have really good, really good relationship with both, uh, both sets of in-laws. Um, but we had just, you know, we've had a lot of storms, like ice storms and snow and all this kind of stuff. So we've just had so many like downed trees and branches and all that kind of stuff. So I've been cleaning up a lot of that wood chipping a lot, you know, just that kind of stuff. So there's, there's plenty of that going on, but my, my big event, you know, I did the French drain thing uh thank you henry french for that epiphany um uh but you know i had i had a little bit of stone delivered to my house and i'm spreading some stone because i have a i have a paved driveway and the edges off the driveway have eroded quite a bit so i'm trying to build them back up so that i've got a nice firm like edging on the side of the the driveway so that doesn't like crumble when you know trucks and stuff drive on it um but it's it's a decent length driveway and i did the math on how much stone i actually needed and it's uh, more than you can just get in like bags at the the home center. Mm. So I actually like linked up with a, um, you know, a uh, landscaping like supplier that gets like the dump trucks from the quarry kind of situation. So that was a new, that was a new thing for me. I've never bought like like gravel in bulk before. I hope the dump truck didn't make your driveway crumble. That would be ironic. Wouldn't that be ironic? Well, Ugh. so I, I I ordered like a smaller dump because I had to call them up, and this is like all new to me. I don't know. I don't do this every day. Um, you know, we lived in this house for 10 years and I've watched the stuff degrade over time since then. So like, I knew I needed to do it. Um, but, uh, you know, I had like a smaller, like an, an eight ton, you know, load of dump, dump truck, uh, come down and he, he handled it just fine. I talked to him. I was like, so the bigger truck, he's like, yeah, the bigger truck is an 18 ton load of not counting the weight of the truck. So 18 tons of stone. And I was like, what what was the one you got? The first one was an eight ton load. So more than double more than double oh yeah and i was like God. and so I, I had got the smaller load first because i was like i don't you know i want to make sure it can handle the weight and plus they're kind of big and long and they got the whole tilt bed and everything so you got to have room for it to dump and all that kind of stuff so um anyway long story short 
<laughs> uh, I've had a total of 62 tons of stone delivered to my house because that is how much stone it's taking to do everything that I need it to do. Because, I mean, you've heard me talking for weeks now, it's so muddy around here. Like I have no solid ground where I need to do my work. So yeah, 62 tons of stone, it's been four truckloads. <laughs> A stone. And I they just leave that with you for you to do stuff with. Yeah. I mean, theoretically, I could like hire somebody to do things with it, but I'm going to do it myself. So I've got, you know, I've been, I've been spreading a good portion of it, but you know, I've got a pretty sizable mountain of stone in my driveway right now. <laughs> so I'm like parking in the yard and all this kind of stuff, but I've spread it. I've spread a decent amount of it. And uh, yeah, so I, I did the math. How are your hands? Are you not like calloused and sore? Oh. Well, I mean, I wear gloves, but yeah, my hands are so dry and, oh, man. and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's pretty. Well, shoveling always destroys my hands. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty rough, um, but it's okay. It's a good workout. I like. I like moving in. Um, uh, I have some, you know, some equipment and stuff that's helping, but still, it's just a lot of physical work. Uh, but I like doing it. I don't know. Whatever. I have lights. It's cold, but I just wear jackets and so on. It's it's mostly below freezing while I'm working as well, which Drew is nice because you know me, I sweat like crazy. So I'm like literally out in short sleeves while I'm shoveling stone and it's below that's freezing. That's actually and I'm really like, perfect I'm for like, you. I'm like, oh, I'm so comfortable in this. Like I yeah. need it to be below freezing now, to not be I, actively sweating. I don't, I'm not as miserable as you in the summer, but I <laughs> hate the summer weather. So I, I will go out there and my mm. face will hurt because it's so yes. cold, but yes. I will still say still better than summer. Still better. No still bugs better than too. No bugs. 100%. Love Absolutely. It. Absolutely. Yep. You just gotta I, will take, I will take that over summer any day of the week. There you go. There you go. Um, but I did the math. So 62 tons of stone. That's two-fifths the weight of the Statue of Liberty. So I have two-fifths of a Statue of Liberty that I've had in my house. Not counting the base, but the actual things. 100, about, you know, 100 the plinth. Tons. Yeah, there you go. And uh, it's about the weight of 30 cars. So that's how much stone I've had to live. So you will eventually, one day, shovel 30 cars worth of stone. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you got it. It's fun stuff. Um, and then I also I built something. Ooh. I don't, I don't think I've even shown you. So I built a Lazy Susan, which I'd never done before. So here it is. Oh, so wow. It is, it's a Lazy Susan. So it's got like the Lazy Susan like rotating base and all oh, that. Oh, dude. But it's like a slice. It's called a cookie. So that when you when you cut a slice out of a tree like this, it's called a cookie. So this is actually the trunk of the cherry tree that was in Rachel's front yard when she was growing up as a kid. The tree oh, was starting my gosh. To, yeah, the tree was starting to die about 10 years ago. And, you know... Uh, her dad asked me to help take it down and, uh, you know, it was really good cherry wood. And so I, I've just been keeping this like large tree trunk, you know, that's, it's not huge. It's like this big in diameter, but it's like maybe four feet of it. And, uh, I've just been hanging on to it for like a decade. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I was, I, uh, my aunt asked me to make her something and she wanted a lazy Susan. And I was like, well, actually this is about the perfect size. She wanted like a natural egg. She's got all this kind of rustic furniture. And I was like, well, I'll, I could make you one out of Rachel's childhood thing. So, oh, that's kind of cool. Maybe I'll make one for our house. But this, yes. this one's going to go to this one's going to go to my aunt. No, but, make a second one, dude. That's fantastic. Cool? Yes, yeah, so it's kind of fun. You know. So, so, so is that? Did you did you lacquer all the way around that thing or seal? Uh... Um. Well, I kind of left it. So the bark is really tricky, and it's like I mean, it's real bark. You can like flake it off. Mm -hmm. Um. I left the bark as is because mm -hmm. that's going to basically protect it. But I did do a um like an oil wax varnish on the. Uh, on the top here and on the bottom as well. But yeah, and she wanted the cracks. Like, you know, there's stress in the wood. So when you slice it out like this, it's it's pretty much going to crack. That's mm -hmm. hard to avoid. Um, but it didn't crack too bad and she liked the rusticness of it. And I was like, okay, cool. So I just, 
It was mostly cutting it, sanding it. That is so cool. Did you buy? Did you like? Did you just buy a Lazy Susan plate Mm -hmm. from? Yeah, you buy like Lazy Susan hardware, so it's just got like ball bearings in there. Not that. And you, you know, it's got two two metal parts on it that have ball bearings in between, and then that is so awesome. That would be perfect, perfect for like you know just uh, you know uh, condiments, you know salt, pepper, napkins, and stuff like that. Exactly. Exactly. That's fantastic, dude. That's really awesome. Yeah, it's kind of fun. It's like you know getting to do fun woodworking stuff like that so like when it's rainy and like really crappy weather and i just literally can't work outside i'm like all right i'll go make something out of wood so i shall call it susan (laughs) that's right (laughs) well 30 rock deep cut on that one all right and there you go that's what i've been up to so me and drew what's happening the answer is plenty all right everybody that's what we got for this week pushing two hours drew as a trend i don't know man Everybody seems to be digging it, but we're not trying to go long. We even cut some segments out, but we just keep on talking. So anyway, as long as y'all like it, it's fine. YouTube likes it. We like it. Y'all like it. Everybody wins. Um, please leave us feedback on how we're doing. Let us know in the comments. Ask us questions, etc. Um, you know, without you all, we would just be two weirdos talking into cameras. Um, you can check out goodlypens.com for all of your fountain pen ink and paper needs. Be sure to like and subscribe to YouTube, Instagram, all these places where we are. If you're listening to the audio version, you want to email us, you can hit us up at pencast at gulepens.com. And I have a random fact for you, Drew, to finish out the day. Are we going to end on a biscuit? Um, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, not it's cool. not maybe, like maybe not a biscuit. Day old biscuit, maybe. It's not all like right, my most I'll... interesting fact, but I just pulled it out. It's very I'll eat it. Bring it on. It's truly a random fact. I'm hungry. Fact. Talking about all that jambalaya. Um, so I've always been curious to, you know, if you walk across the street, not at a crosswalk, it's called jaywalking, at least here in the U.S. And I was like, what does that even mean? Does that a, like, sometimes you use these expressions and you're like, I don't, where does that come from? What does yeah. that even mean? I don't use that in any other way. So apparently okay. J used to be slang for a foolish person. And so when the pedestrian would ignore street signs, they were considered a jaywalker. They were basically a foolish person crossing the street. And that's where the term jaywalker came from. I really like that. I kind of wish we could change it to stupid walking and (laughs) shame people for not using the crosswalks any longer. You foolish walker. Yeah, I like that. There were, there were, there was at least one or two comments about the origin of bar none since we mentioned that last episode. Yeah. And I kind of glanced over them and they still didn't make a ton of sense to me. Um, so. A lot of those yeah. things, like, they're not 100% sure where the origin comes from. I so. mean, no, they seem fairly confident. I think it was my own ineptitude yeah. failing to understand it, but, you know. Fair enough. Well, I guess you are a Jay Walker. Jay, I, felt like a a Jay. Jay. I felt like a you're Jay. I felt like a Jay. a Jay caster is what you are in that instance. <laughs> I, wonder if, I wonder if maybe that's why they call it a Blue Jay. Maybe um, it behaved obnoxiously. I hear Blue Jays are pretty mean. Blue Jays are mean. Yeah. Like Foolish. we have some blue, we have some blue jays. They are punks. They will come and just like knock other birds off our bird feeder, and yeah. they are they're aggressive. I've heard that. I also saw a woodpecker. This is little bonus footage here. So I saw a woodpecker. There is apparently twenty three species of woodpecker or something like that. Um, the one that we have is the, called the pickerel something woodpecker. I forget what exactly what it is, but it's basically the largest one. And, uh, you know, I've talked about like, oh, yeah, my trees just like randomly fall down. Where apparently these woodpeckers are quite large and they are known for pecking trees and weakening them. And sometimes trees will actually like split in half and like fall. And I'm like, I have that happen a lot around here. And 
lo and behold, there's a lot of trees I have that have woodpecker holes in it. So I think I've got some like older pines and stuff like that, that, you know, mm. get a little older, maybe aren't at their best. Some bugs get in there. The woodpeckers go ham on the bugs. And these, I mean, these are big woodpeckers. They're like, they grow 16 to 19 inches tall. Their wingspan is about three feet. Like they're big. Oh my God. This is a big bird. And he's out I'm, there like whack, 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 whack. A lot of them are uh, protected species too. So you can't really do anything about them. Oh yeah, I'm not trying to like do anything, but well, I've we never, had one drilling I've, holes in our home one time in our rental house. It was a wood ooh, siding house. Yeah, and it would, see, that's not good. It would punch holes right in the siding. Yeah, see, that's what you got to be careful of. But yeah. no, these these ones are all in the woods. But I'm like, that might help explain why I have so many trees that fall. Mm. You know, you they know there, you, you enjoy these... cutting them up. They're like, hey, let's do this guy a favor. He likes cutting down fallen trees. Let's give him some more. Yeah, they're like, I'm helping this guy. No, yeah. they don't know. They're birds. They're oblivious. They're just trying to get to bugs. <laughs> I get it. They're just trying to eat. You know, everybody's just trying to eat. But anyway, bonus footage. Turkey hammock. Hey, hammock zone. (laughs) All right, everybody. Have a good one. We'll catch you on the next one.